The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray in his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. Welcome in PFF NFL podcast. Sam Monson over there. Steve Palazzolo here. And it is week one. It's finally upon us. Let's get into the action, Sam. It's Thursday night football coming up just after we record this. So you might be listening to us after the game, but we're still going to give you our pregame analysis. Sam, as I'm looking at the PFF picks, are you the only one taking the Philadelphia Eagles? Yes. Yeah, it does appear that way. Did I spoil your pick? The drama? Of you unveiling the Eagles as your pick for the for the game, you did. I'm not sure what degree of drama I was planning on generating with that, but you spoiled it. Uh, if you're into line moves, this has moved quite a bit from Atlanta plus five to now. I'm seeing them at minus one over at mybookie.ag. Our friends over there. Uh, so you stuck with Philadelphia, the Nick Foles led Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going with the Falcons because our PFF numbers liked them last year. They like them again this year. I just think that combination of offense and defense is as good as it gets around the NFL. Yeah, but having seen Nick Foles put two of the most astounding games in the history of humanity together to win the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game, i just not betting against him, put it that way. And he weighed into the preseason Nick Foles that we saw, which was disastrous. It looked like old Nick Foles, or late last season Nick Foles. I mean, there's weight in it insofar as he's capable of that. He's capable of awful and brilliant. And I have no idea which one's going to arrive. If the awful one arrives, they're going to get their ass kicked. You went with brilliant. If the brilliant one arrives, he, they, they'll win the game. Ironically, he did not play that well against Atlanta last year. I know the stats were fine, but he threw that pick. What should have been a pick right to the safety that was completed. Projected score, PFF green line. Can't give it all away. You can't give it all away. Not, not all of it away. You can't. Don't. One. It's one. part of PFF Elite. Please do not. One. All right. I'm not going to give it away, but let's just say it backs me up. The end. All right, PFF Greenline, that's all part of your PFF Elite Package. You can get score projections there and our five best picks of the week because we only focus on the strongest ones that uh, George and Eric have coming out of their model. If you have listened to the game, if you already watched the game, then you can make fun of us for being wrong. One of us has missed it. All right, let's move on to the next game. Sunday at 1 o'clock, Jaguars at the New York Giants. It's a battle of... Former first-round running backs, Leonard Fournette and Saquon Barkley. Oh, God. Is that and really? also Blake Bortles and Eli Manning. Yeah. The running backs is really the storyline we're leading off with here. Yeah, I mean, you've got a couple fan bases that are just so all-in on their recent first-round running backs. So that's that's the big focus. Yeah. I think the real question, here's what I want to see. I want to see what this new-look Giants defense looks like. Uh-huh. And then the Jags on defense on the other side, I mean, they should be... The Jags, the Jags defense should pretty much throttle the life out of the New York Giants offense, right? We relatively happy with that statement? They should. The yeah. question with this game comes down to the other side of the ball and what can the Jags offense do against a new look, new look, new look Giants defense? And possibly more importantly, what Blake Bortles are you going to get? Because he's kind of the same guy as Nick Foles in terms of he's capable of some really good stuff, but he's also capable of abject misery. And what they did last year was take the ball out of his hands so much to the point where pretty much any human being could play quarterback. Yeah, I'm not going to do that again, or do they actually let him play? I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a formula that they want, you know, to run the ball and play good defense and control the clock and all that stuff. 
not to put too much stock in preseason because last year preseason Bortles was horrendous. This year he had some just horrible throws trying to throw picks. Other than that, though, he was pretty good. You know, like he, like when he wasn't throwing picks right passes right to linebackers, he did some nice stuff, and that just shows the whole roller coaster ride that is Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean, typically you would like a guy to play well and not try and throw the ball to linebackers. I understand. Some people might even suggest that the act of throwing the ball directly to linebackers repeatedly would be mutually exclusive with playing well. Could this be a beatdown with the Jags offensive line, Andrew Norwell coming in, Brandon Linder up front, Parnell, AJ Can? It boy, definitely Cam could Robinson. be. Um, I could easily see the Jags destroying the Giants, but I have never, I'm never going to have confidence in a Jags team led by Blake Bortles. Just can't do it. Understandable. But are you still taking the Jags? Yes. On still taking the Jags. Uh, Matchup-wise, I just want to see who's rushing the passer for the Giants opposite Olivier Vernon. No more JPP. I want to see what they can try to muster in this new 4-3-3-4 hybrid scheme. I'll give you another one. Just how badly is Olivier Vernon going to kick Cam Robinson's ass? <sighs> yeah. Uh, look, we, we battle a lot of people about Cam Robinson. He did not grade well for us last year. Kind of backed up our scouting report of boom or bust because he does make some of the better run blocks you're going to see. Mm-hmm. You know, plus ones in our system, big time blocks, even really nice blocks no. off the line. Of, yeah, big do time not, blocks. Do not, no, BTBs. Not allowed, no, you're not allowed to call it that. BTBs, no. Of stop. course, stop it. If you like BTBs, hit us up on Twitter at pff underscore Steve and give me the old thumbs up. I need a thumbs up emoji if you like big time blocks. Either way, Cam Robinson has a lot of really good blocks and a lot of really bad blocks yeah but there's more really bad blocks than the really good blocks hence the grade yes all right so across the board from pff we have the jags just from our talent by the way just to separate things we have Mm -hmm. pff green line which is the official pff stance Mm -hmm. on the game like that's the database the numbers there's no opinion in there and then you know we'll we'll throw our picks out there as talent you know our our talent our on-camera essentially gut feeling Thursday in it for some donuts picks between the group of analysis. Not going to lie, though. I, I skew a little bit towards our projections. That's I listen to what George and Eric are saying and just cheating, putting so. in green line. Can't be doing that. But the, uh, the talent, all of us are taking Jacksonville in this one. All right, let's go to the next one. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. They're playing week one again this year. Cleveland Browns should be a much better team. I mm-hmm. believe, right? Yep. We would mention that Almost they should beat be. them. Was it week one last year as well? Yes. Yeah. And the Pittsburgh Steelers without Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Does it matter, Sam? I mean, it matters. Le'Veon Bell is one of the most talented running backs in the entire league. He's one of the most versatile running backs in the entire league. He has a unique running style that nobody can match. That hesitant, hesitant is the word everybody always uses to describe it, but that patient ability to basically by his time behind the line of scrimmage, force people to actually step into the wrong gap before he open, exploits the space that they opened up. Yeah. Nobody else does that, right? So it is unique. Um, but the Pittsburgh Steelers were fine when they missed Le'Veon Bell before. If you look at war, wins above replacement, the, the Eric Eager, George Shahuri uh, statistic that they've been uh, working on all this offseason, he was worth basically one win last season. So running backs just simply do not move the needle the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have proven before they're able to plug in somebody else and get a similar level of production, a similar... Uh, there's no major drop-off in terms of how they are as an offense overall because run blocking is far more important to the output of a run than the running back is, most in, in, the, in big picture terms. You know, in any given play, a running back can do something spectacular and make something out of nothing. But over the weight of 200-plus carries... It's more important how good your offensive line is than it is how good your running blocking, that, how good your running back is. That is one of the um, the big takeaways that I thought was was very important from all of their studying is that offensive line consistency. It's their their performance is more consistent than running back performance, and uh, you know more important. So um, yeah, so I'm taking the Steelers. You're taking the Steelers. I think we have one person two. Take, uh, two people taking two the Browns. People. Mike Renner and Gordon McGinnis, both taking the Browns. I think it would be another good game. I th- yeah, I thought about it, but week one to me, there's always two results that are nuts that shouldn't go the way they do, but do because it's week one. If I was going to pick one of them, it would be this one. But every year, I get burned trying to find the two wins, and this year, I'm just going, screw it. I'm taking. I'm not doing that. I'm taking all the teams that should win, and then I'll, I'll eat the fact that the, some of them don't. Make the adjustment in week two. Yeah. Uh, just for a little bit of perspective... Last year was Le'Veon Bell's lowest graded season in our system since his rookie year. 
I know he rushed for over 1,300 yards, only four yards per carry. That was the worst also since his rookie season. He took a bit of a step back last year, and the O-line took a bit of a step back last year. He's still really good, but just some perspective. The other point about Le'Veon Bell is that last season, when he does come back, it took him like four weeks to get back to grading as well as we expect Le'Veon Bell to grade. So even if the best happens, they agree to terms tomorrow, and he ends up playing this weekend – like it take it took him it took him four weeks last time it took him the best part of a month that poor grade most of that came in those first few games coming back so like even if he does come back it might take him a while. I also think this will be just a telling game for Cleveland, who's really they, they really need to improve their work on the back end coverage wise. In Pittsburgh, will they use a little bit of James Washington? How are they going to use Juju Smith Schuster? Will they have? Will they look like they have one of the most explosive passing attacks in the NFL? Because obviously Antonio Brown plus. All of those guys, it could be a huge year for Big Ben if they find their groove early. So we're all taking Pittsburgh except the two of us. Let's move on to the Cincinnati Bengals in a Week 4 preseason rematch against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, just a short little two-hour drive from our home base here in Cincinnati to go take on Captain Andrew oh, Luck in the, the Colts. Captain. The captain. Keep you talking so okay. you don't want to find the captain. This is where I just buy some time. Buy some time. While you search this. You're unprepared. The magic of TV. No one will know. Just keep Nobody will know. Going. So I'm just going to buy some time while Sam searches for Captain Andrew Luck. Here's the first thing I'll be watching, though. The Cincinnati Bengals defensive line, which we've talked about quite a bit here on the podcast. Going up against this Colts offensive line. Will they be in the backfield the entire time? Captain? Captain. Cue the music. Dearest mother. I have received your care package of spiced raccoon calves, sweetened sparrows wrists, and, of course, precious squirrel oil. Of course. I have included a new tintype showing some of the men for you to proudly display, but show the hogs first. We are battle-ready, Andrew. The end. That's the captain. That's his take on the week one uh, foray against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm scared if I'm the Bengals. How could you not be? Based on that? Hmm. He said they're ready. Have you heard the care package he received? That's going to get him fighting ready. Yes. I want to know how, with that type of care package, his shoulder had any sort of injury in it the last year. I mean, look, there's only so much that, you know, sweetened squirrel whatever can do. Rub some squirrel oil on it. Yeah, there you go. What are you watching for in this game? I mentioned Bengals defensive line versus Colts offensive line. Let me add to that. I want to know what the new look Colts pass game looks like Mm -hmm. every single year. No matter who's, I mean, even when Pagano was the coach there in Indianapolis, it's like, all right, we've got to protect Andrew Luck. Will Frank Reich in that offense, will they really protect him? Will they really do a lot more quick game? At some point, you're still going to be in third and long and subject him to hits against this Bengals defensive line that destroyed the Bills the last time we really saw them in full force. So what are you looking to see in this game? Yeah, I think it's part what the Colts offense actually looks like. It's also part... Um, what Andrew Luck looks like just within that, you know, not independent of the scheme and how they're actually trying to protect him and all that kind of stuff. Just simply, how is he playing? You know, is he going to make those poor decisions? He's going to force a couple of passes uh, in the preseason, or are you going to get the, the good Andrew Luck? Because realistically, one, his entire career to date has been very up and down. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. We've only really seen that one truly elite season from him where he made some special throws. But the other thing about it is um, their entire future or their entire prospects this season, it it rests on luck, right? That roster is not in good shape. Like the defense in particular doesn't look good at all. So it's there any projection for them making the playoffs or winning seven plus games. It's all down to Andrew Luck being able to drag a bad roster to the playoffs again, which he's done in the past. How about individual matchup wise? We have Quentin Nelson, Geno Atkins. Ooh. That'd be fun. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Yeah. So when we're on the when we have the eight, we have the, we're we're gonna have the eight game mix over here going on at the office. Just assuming there isn't like clouds in the area or anything like that. Do not hate on Directv. I'm just saying you got it like a couple of weeks ago and it's crapped out like five times. It's just the nature of the satellite dish. It's the only way that you can watch all the NFL games. Allegedly. Anyway, in the eight game mix, mm-hmm. when the Colts are on offense, I'm going to be eyeballing that matchup. I'm just saying that's something to watch. Quentin Nelson against the great Geno Atkins, the number two interior defensive lineman in the NFL. Got another one for you. William Jackson, the third against uh, T.Y. receiver. There you go. T.Y. Hilton. There you go. Not Ty. Speedy guy. No, not Ty. T.Y. Hilton. Speed against speed. Ball, make, ball hawking ability against ball catching ability. That's going to be fun. That was a shout out to you, David Tuckman. I know you're still listening. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton, not Ty. We love you, though. We love you. We miss you. Uh, who are you taking in this one, Sam? 
Uh, I am taking the Colts. They're at home. I think Andrew Luck coming back. We're going to see a good Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's fair. I did take the Bengals. It might, it's maybe a slightly emotional pick and sometimes uh, overweighing maybe this whole like defensive line. And I really liked what they started to do offensively in the preseason with Joe Mixon moving around, with John Ross emerging. I do think the Bengals, maybe I've started to really convince myself on the Bengals. I, I mean, Kabaya, I've, I've been with you arguing that they're underrated heading into the season. I, I don't think it's an easy win for the Colts at, by any means. All right, let's move on. Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins. This is a weird one, I think, right? The Dolphins roster, I'm just I'm just not loving. I'm just not we've talked about this in the AFC preview. I'm not feeling them this season. The Tennessee Titans from a roster standpoint, I feel much better about, but I don't like the way they played in the preseason. I don't like the way they looked on offense. Marcus Mariota looking very very uncomfortable. What are you looking for in this one? This might be the game I am least enthused by in the entire opening weekend. So how many 1 o'clock games are there? On the 8-game mix, can we just eliminate this? <laughs> like, If there are 9 games, is this, is this the one you're hoping you were not going to be watching? Uh, that would be an ideal situation for everybody. I mean, the, I, there's, a few, there's a few individual players that I'm kind of interested to watch in this game, but a lot of them are being buried on depth charts and not even getting the chance to start. I'm thinking Kenyon Drake, who's going to get That's marginalized by Frank Gore plowing ahead for three and a half yards four and a half yards and just falling over well there's a hall of famer on the field oh yeah in this one Corey davis yeah yeah i want to watch hall of famer Corey what's davis. the tally now how many catches short of the ten thousand is he i don't know but it hasn't changed since the last time they played mm. so yeah whatever that was what did he catch 24 last year pretty low lumber right yeah we'll call that a red shirt year okay well if it's, it's a red shirt year he's ahead that's what i mean he's plus whatever yeah yes Corey davis breakout season starts now Okay. Starts Sunday. I want to see how Mariota looks in this new system. I want to see this Tennessee secondary with uh, Malcolm Butler coming in there. And uh, just what they look like defensively. They're a little banged up on the edge with uh, you know guys like Derek Morgan and Brian Arakpo and Harold Landry. I think there are some questions there. A lot of guys battling injuries there. So uh, Tennessee, I would normally just say slam dunk. I like them better than the Dolphins, but I think this one is close. Yeah, I think it is close, but I'm going to go with the Titans because I think that Dolphins roster is not in great shape at all. Um, I'm curious also to see the Tennessee Titans running backs, how they deploy those two guys. Are they going to... Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry. Yes. Are they going to default to a cliched thunder and lightning? You get all the big carries up the middle and you're the small scat back guy. Or are they going to split carries more evenly? How's that dynamic going to work? Yeah, I want to see that as well. uh, Miami-wise, just... Ryan Tannehill's back. Yeah. You know, it's a team without Jay Cutler anymore. Jay Cutler's just firing butts over there on reality TV. And uh, Tannehill's back. I want to see what he looks like. Breakout year for Tannehill this year. Yeah? Year seven. Okay. People are still waiting for the breakout of Ryan Tannehill. I still think he's a little bit better than people give him credit for. Like he so. is. He certainly has been in the past. Yes. But it just so the dynamic with Tannehill is the same one I have with Sam Bradford. I think throw for throw, he's better than you think. But it just, he has this inability, I think, to just elevate his teammates and have it just show through statistically and show through this, in final results. There's also this part of being, there's nothing wrong necessarily with being a good, not great quarterback. Like, you can be a guy who's never going to be Tom Brady, but you can still be good, right? People, I think, in the NFL hate on people too much because their ceiling is lower than all pro. If your right. ceiling is lower than all pro, Everybody thinks you suck. Well, I think what we've learned there, using the the PFF, you know, the analytics team and the tiers that they've put guys in, when you're in that tier three or four, which is a mid-tier guy, you're just so dependent on your playmakers. And again, the, the million times I've used the Andy Dalton 2015 example, when you're one of those mid-tier guys, if you get this perfect ecosystem around you, you can have success. That's the struggle. But what happens is teams go, it's easier for me to find a Hall of Fame quarterback than it is for me to build a better situation around this guy. Well, that's because not really he can't. True. Exactly, right? So if you've got a tier three or four quarterback, guy in the middle, who is dependent on that great situation around him, it's got to be easier to make the great situation around him than it is to go, no, you're not going to get it done. I'm going to go and try and find me an Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just go find Aaron Rodgers. Right? Because those aren't easy to find. It's got to be easier. And yet people don't do it. So I'm still somewhat interested in this game. Don't care what you say. I'm interested, I'm interested in every game. I want to watch every game. It's the NFL. I'm not buying it, one. Steve. You don't it's fool me. One. Don't worry, Titans and Dolphins fans. 
I'm into this one. I'm taking t- uh, the Titans. We're all taking the Titans except for Zach Robinson and Gordon McGinnis. Both Gordon, taking Gordon gone rogue. This both so far. taking the Dolphins. All right, next up on the one o'clock slate: Houston Texans at New England Patriots. I think across the board, everybody's taking New England. Uh, question marks here: Deshaun Watson coming back for the Houston Texans. Not only seeing how he comes back from injury, but you know, just what does that what what does it look like compared to last year? Yep, was this, it fool's gold last season? Yes, this is my ass kicking of the week. Right? Really? Yeah. They, I know last year they went into New England. They ran it close, right? This is one of the sort of Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans moments last year. Everybody was a huge line that game, the Patriots and the Texans. The Texans ran them close, almost beat them. Right. And suddenly it's now we're talking miracles here. We've got Deshaun Watson. We've got a future MVP. We've got all these Houston Texans defenders coming back, all of whom on the front line. You know, none of them actually fixing the coverage problems at the back end. I, the Patriots are going to be aware of the fact also, you've got the Deshaun Watson aspect of he was playing at an astonishing level by the end of, of his run before he went down hurt. Statistically. Statistically. Playing very well by PFF standards as well. Yes. Grading well at that point, right? Hadn't graded well earlier in the season. Grading very well by the end of it. But was that sustainable? I mean, they got creative in that offense in terms of basically junking the old system and pulling in a new one that was Deshaun Watson friendly. But one, how sustainable is that? And two... Can they expand on that? I mean, it wasn't very expansive, the offense that they ran for him. They were running the same half dozen things all the time. NFL teams get wise to that stuff pretty quickly, and they didn't have the chance to get wise to it pretty quickly last year because Deshaun Watson went down hurt. This year, Bill Belichick, with an offseason to prepare, and Deshaun Watson's coming back from injury, and the offensive line is one of the worst we've ever seen on paper heading into the season. I think New England's front seven's a lot stronger. The Patriots look like yeah. they have pass rush for the first time in a while. The other thing at play there is New England's secondary was busting coverages left and right earlier in, la- in the season last year when the Texans rolled in. Right. They're not doing that anymore. Just, uh, Gilmore is on the same page as everybody else. So this, to me, I think it's only a six-point line, six-point spread. Yeah, it's between six They're and double seven. They're going to double it. They're wow. going to double it. Interesting. Because there's a lot of question marks. First of all, the, the things, we've mentioned this a couple times on the pod as well, there's a lot of numbers that point to just pure statistical regression from Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. from just having two drop passes to leading the league in big-time throws, which is great, but that usually regresses a little bit. Being really high in turnover-worthy throws, which generally is more consistent. Yep. You know, So we should be throwing more picks this year. And the fact that he was getting so much help on the expected throws, so, so the screen passes, the short stuff, despite not really having the best supporting cast. Statistically, his supporting cast was helping him quite a bit uh-huh. in our numbers. So there's a lot of reasons for regression for Watson, besides the fact that he's still young. He's seven games into his career, and he's coming off a knee injury. Anytime you are doing things that are unusual schematically for a specific player because it suits what he does well, I'm all for that as a concept, right? I think that's the best thing to be doing. But it takes NFL teams a while to figure out how to defend that. But they tend to. You know, they don't tend to stay forever blissfully unaware of how to, how to work it out, how to, how to stop it. Right. And we only really got seven games of Watson doing that. So what would have happened over the next few games? Would they have worked it out by the end of last season? And when it's going to happen at some point, the NFL is going to figure out how to slow down the concepts that the Texans are running with Deshaun Watson, unless they dramatically scale up the number of t- things they're running with them and they're able to be a lot more multiple and keep teams off balance. On the other side of the ball, J.J. Watt yeah. returning. Whitney Merciless is back. Javion Clowney. Do the Texans revert back to 2016 defense? They were pretty bad last year compared to they were in 20, what they were in 2016. And then the questions in New England, I mean, this is, you know, with Julian Edelman suspended for four games, this is the worst group of playmakers that the Patriots have tried out there probably since Brady's last not-so-good season, 2013. I think that's even though Gronk's on the field and all that stuff, we're talking yeah. about a receiving core that's Chris Hogan and Cordero Patterson and Philip Dorsett, and those guys could play a like a complementary role. But there's usually another decent receiver in there that you can rely upon that they don't have right now. I mean, on paper, it is kind of weakness against weakness, which doesn't actually happen that often. Um, but the difference is the Patriots' weakness is offset with Tom Brady as their quarterback and Gronk um, and some running back talent out of the backfield. The nothing is offsetting the Texans' weakness. No, I understand. unless you're saying the pass rush is offsetting, which it is to an extent, but it's not upsetting it that much. You can mitigate a strong pass rush by just getting the ball out of your hands quickly, 
and that's exposing, if anything, the secondary, the problems, where the problem area is. New England is going to get creative with their backs and tight ends, creating mismatches, and I expect them to try to attack a guy like Benardrick McKinney in the middle of the field, who's done a really nice job against the run, but isolate him in coverage, and the backs will generally win out. So watch out for James White in this one. All right, let's go to San Francisco taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Sam, you're going to be doing some cool stuff for this game over yeah. on uh, Sky Sports for all of our UK listeners, yeah? Yeah, anybody in the UK and Ireland, because we get Sky Sports as well. UK and Ireland. Oh, uh, if you're on the British Isles. Wait, there you go. You've been studying your math. If you're on the British Isles, you can watch Sam this Sunday. Myself and Neil Hornsby will in, be in this very seat. I will be in this seat. Neil will be there. Right Neil here. Be, Neil will be in your seat. Because um, yeah, you don't move. No. Well, I, I, my earpiece is this side, you see. i got to sit here. So we'll be doing a pregame hit on this game. Uh, we'll be doing a pregame hit on the the, f- uh, the first game. Uh, halftime check-in, see how our pregame actually analysis stood up over the course of a half. Then we'll be doing, I think, pregame for one of the, the sec- we'll call it the 6 p.m. game, Steve, because we're talking about U.K. time the here. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. game. 6.05, 6.15, whatever. Uh, no, sorry, that's the 9 p.m. game. 9. 6.05 is the first game. 6. I'm getting messed. You live on Eastern time. 6 p.m. UK time. Greenwich Mean Time, Steve, where they invented time. That will be the first game. We'll be doing a pregame and a halftime on that one. And then a pregame for the second game, which is around 9, 9.15. Uh, and then a postgame on the second game as well. Checking in at the end of it all, see how we did. We're Pretty doing cool. that every week for Sky. Yeah, Sky Sports. Nice little agreement we have there. So, that said... Mm-hmm. Give us some of your pre- pre-game analysis on 49ers and Vikings. Well, the Vikings are better in every single possible way except their offensive line. Uh, quarterback? No. Look, the Jimmy G thing is getting out of control. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback, and he's got better receivers to throw to. That doesn't make him a better quarterback than Jimmy G? Of course he does. He's putting the ball in the air to better receivers. Oh, I like the receivers that the Niners have, though. I like that Come on. combination. They're not better than the Vikings receivers. Though. I didn't say that. I said I like the combination. And the Vikings receivers are going to be bailing them out, bailing Kirk Cousins out when he just heaves the YOLO balls down the field. Oh, boy. this should be It should be a good one, though. I think uh, the Niners are weak uh, still at the linebacker level with no Reuben Foster. It's going to be a question. We have no idea who's rushing off the edge for the 49ers. And uh, when we were talking to our colleague, Neil Hornsby, about what were you know this game and his analysis he did make the good point the vikings are weak on the offensive line however how did the giant how do, how do the 49ers even take advantage of that other than you know deforest buckner and maybe you know, yeah, you know I mean, solomon thomas from the interior they don't, they don't have anyone on the edge that can take advantage of that but they they've don't. got plenty of horses in the middle which may be a bigger problem to be honest when you stack seven of them one after the other yeah right through the b gap right through the other thing, he, the other point he brought up is what kind of shape is Richard Sherman in after this Achilles injury? I can't wait to find that out. We saw him get roasted a few times in training camp, albeit by an Olympic caliber sprinter. But the Vikings have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. They've got guys that can run. Can Richard Sherman actually cover those guys coming off that injury? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to see how that how that plays out for the Niners uh, defense. I want to see what Cousins looks like in this new offense. I think it's going to be. A good game. I think it's a good game to watch. Mm-hmm. So Niners and Vikings, I think. Are we all taking the Vikings other than... Renner has the 49ers. Renner has the 49ers. Shout out to our friend Bobby Slowick, defensive quality control coach over with the San Francisco 49ers. Renner's uh, doing him a solid by picking them. But we all have the Vikings. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Buffalo at Baltimore. Is this the game you're not going to... This should be the game. This is that you're not sec- watching. Like, there's two games that I don't really like in this slate. This is the second one. Okay, but we're at PFF here. We like every player, every game, every play. I didn't mean to put that in that bad order, but we do like that. So, Buffalo Bills, they're going with the Nathan Peterman show. Mm. We'll discuss that decision in a minute. Uh, going against the Ravens, the Joe Flacco show. And uh, the Ravens, you know, they were one really crazy play away from the playoffs last year, so they should be in the playoff mix in the AFC. Buffalo did make the playoffs. Our numbers at PFF still have them better than everybody else seems to think, and it's because of their back seven. Mostly, they're secondary. Yeah. Tredavious, White, Led, secondary, good safeties. If they can continue to play that strong football on the back end, zone-heavy defense that they implemented last year under Sean McDermott, they're going to be in games. I think the difference, though, they don't have Tyrod on the other end to also help keep them in games. They're working with Nathan Peterman and then potentially Josh Allen once he takes over. Tyrod, please. It's Tyrod. That was that. That was a spoof. That was a, that was a joke. <laughs> Tyrod himself never confirmed it. He did. He did not. He did. Well, his parents confirmed it. 
No, they confirmed the opposite. Somebody confirmed it. There was there were sources close to Tyrod, Tyrod, with it's, knowledge it's, of the situation confirmed it's that it's Tyrod. Um, that yeah, all of that is true. Uh, the Josh Allen thing, honestly, it makes sense not to put him out there over the first five weeks of the season because if you look at the run of defenses that they're heading into, given their offensive line, I'm kind of fine with not throwing him out to the Wolves. Nathan Peterman, I think, is still sort of reeling from. He's like benefiting and uh, what's the opposite of benefiting? Very not benefiting from that terrible game. Terrible half where they threw him out last season. He threw five interceptions because yeah. he's, he's benefiting for, from it because he's getting thrown out. He's getting a start again because they don't want to risk the guy that they actually have faith in. Um, he's very not benefiting, which I'm taking as the opposite of benefiting from it because he's going to get killed for five weeks until they get a better stretch of defenses and they're more confident in their offensive line. You think that's the Josh Allen strategy? Yeah. Save them a little Save, bit? Like, if they play the Ravens, they play the Vikings, I think they have the Jags in there as well. It's a disaster of defenses that they run into. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put them out there with that offensive line. I don't know if the Ravens can truly take advantage of the offensive line from a pass rush standpoint. Against the run, Brandon Williams up front compared, uh, combined with Michael Pierce. One of the better interior run-stopping duos. C.J. Mosley in the middle. Terrell Suggs, awesome at setting the edge. Run game-wise, the Ravens should be controlling the line of scrimmage. But Terrell Suggs rushed the passer well last year, but that was even you know, away from the way his career path was going. That was kind of an anomaly, I think. I mean, one of the, at some point, Suggs, he's just not this high-volume, efficient rusher year in, year out anymore. And he's, there's, there's he's nobody the guy, opposite him right now. But he's the kind of guy that, want, that is... He knows how to defeat a bad player. Like, he may never... If you yeah. run into a good pass blocker, he may have problems. But if you run into a bad guy, he's able to destroy those guys. And he probably will be until he stops playing. But also, Tim Williams flashed this preseason. He's shown the ability to get after the passer like we saw all the way through his career at Alabama. Maybe he'll only be a situational guy. We'll barely see him in this game, but he can have an impact. No, I get it. Then it's Matt Judon and Tyus Bowser. I mean, they're still just trying to figure out who that number two mm-hmm. pass rusher is. By the way, I'm looking at their depth chart. I saw the, board, saw the name Chris Board, and for a second I thought it was Chris Borland. Mm. And my brain was like, no way. That He's would back. Be, yeah, that would be a big impact. Right, but it's not. It's Chris yeah. Board. Yeah. Are you taking the Baltimore Ravens here? I am, yes. Uh, I, I mean, I get why the models like the Bills, but I, I mean, not quite. I can't get behind the Nathan Peterman thing after seeing him last year, even though we kind of liked him coming out. Yeah, I also took Baltimore. Plus the offensive line. Yeah, I don't like where Balt. I, I don't like where Buffalo's weak. But again, going into the season, everything we've learned this offseason with our research and how important it is to cover on the back end. Mm-hmm. That will keep Buffalo in games. But it's less important than the ability to pass in the first place. And you're unlikely to have that if your offensive line is a sieve and your quarterback is bad. Okay, I don't... Nathan Peterman should not be judged by one by one game. He's not that bad. He's not five interceptions in a game bad. It wasn't even one game. It was a half. He's not that bad. It was terrible. He's though. not that bad. You're overrating the one game that we saw. He looked really good in the preseason. <laughs> Last preseason, he played better than Tarod. Yeah, well, sure. But then the game started, and he was abysmal. some point this season, Nathan Peterman is going to put a good game or two, and you're going to be on the podcast here saying, oh, oh what a surprising game by Nathan Peterman. Because you're expecting five interceptions every half that he plays. Actually, if that happens, I'm going to be harking back to our college data that said he was pretty good. See, I'm going to play it from both sides. No, but you should be harkening back to that now and say, look, our college data, our college data said he was pretty good, not but even good. Here's the thing. I don't think he's abysmal. I don't think he's five interceptions abysmal. For a start, he wasn't five interceptions abysmal in that game because I think like two of them were kind of were either – I can't remember exactly. But he had two a couple of them, other turnover where he plays he got away with. To be well, honest. that's the thing, right? So anyway, It evened off. Whatever. The point is he may not be quite as bad as that five interception game, but it's more that the offensive line is terrible. Like, there's at least three guys in that offensive line that are And I'm saying, I don't know that Baltimore has the horses to, to take advantage of it from a pass rush standpoint. But you honestly don't need them. Like, if your offensive line is bad enough, anybody can take advantage of them. That's, like, the thing about bad offensive linemen. Well, there's a reason why we both took Baltimore. Yeah. So stop right. arguing it. All right, guys. We're talking a lot about games and picks. And I know, Sam, uh, you just put a little wager in before we got on here, didn't you? Yeah. I said, I said that I wasn't going to go with week one, and then I saw things that were too good to turn down. It is fun because we're sitting here at the office talking to Eric and George, and they're giving us insight, all the stuff that's getting, all the reasons why their picks are coming out the way they are in Green Line, all a part of PFF Elite. And uh, it kind of makes me go to my computer and pull up mybookie.ag and say, 
hey, what what am I looking at this week? So I, I put a little something down on uh, college game this week. I actually did a season win total over under, threw a little Heisman bet in there, and then I did a, an NFL bet as well, generally based off of Eric and George's advice. So I uh, suggest you guys do the same, mybookie.ag. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. So lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend this if I've used it, and I have, because it's really easy to use. You just click the game you want, put in the bet that you want. You can even buy points a little bit, just alter the line a little yeah, bit if you want. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing until you, you said you'd done that. Yeah, I think if you're getting seven and you want to make it seven and a half, it just gives you a, the warm fuzzies. makes you feel a little bit better That's kind of going cool. into the game. So um, that's why I'm urging everybody to get to my bookie, because you pay and they... Oh, I'm sorry. You win and they pay. Yeah, I you do. don't pay. No, you don't pay. Well, you, you put up money initially, but then you're, you're going to get it back because you're going to win and uh, I know I'm going to win because I got Eric and George fueling this whole thing. They also have live in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And you free fantasy guys out there, I know you might not do this, Sam, but you could bet the over/under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So if yeah. you follow in Jeff, Fry- Jeff Radcliffe and our fantasy guys, you'll have their projections. And if their projections don't match up with the line, you could jump in there and do that as well. I'll get right on that. You're going to do that? Yeah, yeah. So join now and my book. You will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code PFF to activate it. Visit my online today. That's M O I B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code PFF when creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, and you get paid, Sam. And that's what I'm expecting to do after my wagers this weekend. Big wager, Steve. I see you've been throwing down the big money. But well, does it matter? <laughs> no. No, it doesn't. Need to make it through the season, Sam. (laughs) MyBookie.ag. Let's get back to the games. Tampa Bay Bucks at the New Orleans Saints in a division game. The poor Bucks have to deal with a division game without Jameis Winston. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. But it's indoors, Sam, so maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick has a chance to put some points up throwing the ball indoors. It's a little bit easier. It is. They they still have some weapons there as well um, with the Bucks. They're they're one of these teams that are capable of a big game at any given time and in a different division may actually be a reasonable team but they have to deal with the saints the panthers and the falcons you know six times in the season so that's going to be tough sledding the saints are one of the teams that everybody thinks are a super bowl favorite um, and it's tough to argue given how that roster looks so i can't see too many ways this doesn't go new orleans way the saints are sitting there with a running back depth chart of alvin kamara and mike gillisley they cut boston scott. with boston scott cut to make room for Mike Gillisley. How they angry, how angry are you? I'm just, you know, the mistakes happen, Steve, and this was a big one. Are you saying you misevaluated him? No, or God, the Saints no. did? They signed Mike Gillisley instead of keeping Boston Scott. That's insane. No, that's true. Uh, pretty fun little matchup here with the Saints O-line going up against the new Bucks D-line. I know Vita Vea yeah. banged up, won't be out there, but uh, with, you know, Vinnie Curry, with JPP, Gerald McCoy already there. You know, the Saints O-line is one of the better ones in the league. So if you want to watch the trenches, this game's not a bad one to do that. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely the obvious matchup to watch in this game. That should be really fun. That, the, you know, the Bucks defensive front for years has just been Gerald McCoy and nobody else. And they've been trying to get guys to compliment him. They finally have what looks like a really useful complimentary set of pieces. And they get to test it out by going up against one of the game's best offensive lines right out of the gate. Can we look at, real quick, the Saints secondary? Marshawn Lattimore, we already think he's a stud. Patrick Robinson's going to step in, be the slot corner. I know Ken Crawley played pretty well last year, but we're still looking at opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Ken Crawley, P.J. Williams. I mean, is that is that big enough of a question mark that the Saints could regress a little bit defensively? Why you got to hate on P.J.? You didn't like P.J. coming out. I loved P.J. State. for six games until I found all of his bad games. Yeah, right. You you watched all the good games in a row? Yeah, it's just accidentally. That's the way they fell when I was watching his games. I watched like six games. I was like, uh, this guy's the best corner in this draft class. And then the next games are all of his bad games. Like, the issue with oh, the game scouting. Okay, yeah. Actually, it turns out this guy's not very good at all. So anyway, I'm just going to keep an eye on the Saints secondary. We only have one year of really good Saints secondary play. So... I just want to keep an eye on that. How does Marcus Williams bounce back? I think he's a fantastic player. Is he still 
mentally shot from the, the terrible play. I mean, I think Marcus Williams would be good. I think PJ has actually become an okay corner, though, at, at the NFL level. Um, it's weird. He's been, like, his college tape evidently was either great or terrible, and he's kind of met in the middle somewhere. He's been okay. And all evens off in a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, keep an eye on Drew Brees. You know, he's, he's shown – there's been times in his career where his arm – where you're like, all right, now it's going to go. His arm's shot. And he, he bounces back. You know, he takes care of himself pretty well. Just keep an eye on Breeze. He's an old quarterback like Brady. Just see if. So Breeze is going to decline, but Brady's still going to no, keep going No, I said like Brady. Forever. Just keep an eye on it. The same you thing. You did say that. I'm just, you know, you think Brady's going to go on forever. He says he's going to go on to 45. Yeah, he's, got, he's still 45. Why wouldn't he? Avocado ice cream makes the uh, soul feel young. God, that sounds terrible. Uh, anybody taking Tampa Bay here? No, we're all taking the Saints. Yeah. All right, let's go to, is this four o'clock games now? Probably. Kansas City Chiefs at Los Angeles Chargers has to be. They're not starting at 9 in the morning over there or 10 in the morning. Uh, Chiefs at Chargers, we're all taking the Chargers. And I don't, and again, when everybody at PFF takes the same team, it's not because we think that it's going to be a blowout. It's just independently, we all just picked the Chargers. This should be another good close game. And don't forget, last year, the Chiefs made the Chargers look pretty silly in their two Mm -hmm. matchups. Phillip Rivers, horrible in both matchups. Now I want, I, I might want to reconsider my pick. Yeah, it, that is true. But then look at what's in that chief secondary on paper. Yeah, that's true. And you think, how can they possibly do that again? Like, the if you look at these two teams, they're actually relatively well uh, matched up across the board, except the secondary, where the Chargers have the best secondary in the game, and the Chiefs don't. No, I they mean, don't. They very don't. So and the- Eric Berry may not play, which means they very, right. very, very don't. And can the Chargers even keep you know take advantage of that though? With you know, how old is Antonio Gates now? Just rolling in, dude. He could walk in like five years time and still catch seven touchdowns just by knowing how to be there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so the Chiefs were really bad against the run last year, which we already mentioned doesn't matter a ton unless you're really bad at it. They were really they were bad enough that it mattered. More importantly, though, my story about the Chiefs the last couple of years how they make good quarterbacks uncomfortable, uneasy. Without Marcus Peters and with some questionable talent back there, I think they're going to have a tough time doing that now. And I, also, I believe in the Chargers here. Can Justin Houston come back? You know, the real Justin Houston that used to be one of the top five, top three edge rushers in the entire game. Is that guy even capable of returning anymore? Or are we going to get like a game or two of sporadic, really good play where he beat, where he finds a player bad enough that he can beat up on, and right. the rest of the time he's relatively anonymous, makes some you know splash plays here and there. I mean, last season he was pretty good, um, but a lot of that came in a few games. I just I don't know if you're going to get that star player again. And, of course, on the other side, Patrick Mahomes, his first start as starter, as the guy in Kansas City, his second career start, thrown to Sammy Watkins on the outside, Tyreek Hill, who was just unreal in the preseason, and still remember, he's, he's just heading into year three. Yeah. Heading into the third year of his career, still has maybe room to grow as a pure receiver, could have a monster year. Travis Kelsey work in the middle of the field and Kareem Hunt. You've mentioned they're going to play Big 12-like games. This could certainly be one of them. So this is one of the most fun individual matchups to watch as well because Casey Hayward was the best cornerback in the game last season, but one guy got him. One guy was able to get him. And all, okay, Casey Hayward was coming off. Kind He's of banged up a little bit that ankle, week. That kind of stuff. But two receptions, 70 yards, and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill was able to breeze past him for a score. Can he do that again, or do we get to see a fully healthy Casey Hayward take away the Kansas City Chiefs' best weapon? Yeah, I'll be watching for that one as well. So a lot of good playmakers on Kansas City side and some really good coverage players on the Chargers side, Desmond King. And, you know, it's a, it's a good little matchup here. We're all taking the Chargers, though, but again, not because we think that they're way better. We just believe in the, the Chargers' talent mm-hmm. and where they're strong. All right, moving on to the Washington Redskins at the Arizona Cardinals. What are you looking for here, Sam? This game's close to a pick. I've seen it as a pick I've seen it Arizona by one. I don't love Arizona's roster. No. mentioned this on the NFC pod, so I, I kind of like Washington. Here. I get the feeling, though, that they're going to be better than I think they should be all through the season. They're going to be this year's Lions where they just keep overachieving despite not actually looking like they're capable of it. They have done that before. The other thing I'm kind of curious to see is what Adrian Peterson looks like because – remember he had that great opening game for Arizona where he looked like old Adrian Peterson and then the rest of the season was just like a disaster um, and then in preseason signs gets out there like day one basically for the Redskins looks really good right out of the gate I, I want to see if he can sustain that for any kind of period of time yeah and I really want to see what the Washington pass game looks like Alex Smith at the helm 
and you know him throwing to Josh Doxson, Jameis, Jamison Crowder, Paul Richardson, and uh, the health of Jordan Reed. I think this season is going to go a long way to what Washington can do. So uh, Washington is really one of those teams that they can go either way. I think they yeah. could be one of those teams that surprises us and wins nine or ten games, and another team that could win four. I keep leaning back on Alex Smith, though. I think he, he keeps you in enough games. I like Sam Bradford, but I don't know that he's surrounded by enough talent to you know do enough damage in Arizona. Yeah, and I'm concerned about that Arizona pass blocking against Washington's defensive front. Yes, that'll be something to keep an eye on for sure because we think Washington might have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL this season. Uh, did you, t- you took Arizona. I did. Third home. The end. That's what you're going with? Yeah. Is it unprofessional for me to ask Matt to go get my uh, laptop charger? Um, Please, I mean, I'll say I'll ask nicely. You know where it is, Matt. Yeah, I don't know. That makes it more professional. But sure. I'm low on battery. Yeah, so okay. I need help. Okay. I was unprepared. Well done. Thanks, Matt. Good work. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at the Denver Broncos. Are we all taking Denver? Yeah. Oh yeah, God, yeah. I want to change it. Really? Russell Wilson versus Case Keenum. Okay, but that, like, that's the only thing that, that works in your favor. I know. Seattle's roster is not looking great. Not looking great at all. We talked about this on the NFC Preview Pod. Go check it out if you want for the more in-depth analysis. Russell Wilson might have a tough season trying to it's Russell work behind Wilson. that O-line, lack of playmakers, and a defense that's lost so much. Last it's Russell years. Wilson, Doug Baldwin, Bobby Wagner, and then a bag of bodies. 80% of Doug Baldwin, I think, too. Okay, 80% of Banged Doug Baldwin. Banged up hammy and all that. Bobby Wagner and just a, a, knee? a bag of bodies trying to beat the Denver Broncos. I don't think Denver's that good. I don't think they're that good either, but, I, I mean, Seattle looks terrible. I get it. Don't forget, Denver started 2-0 last year at home. And uh, and they looked, so they, they started 2-0 when uh, Trevor Simeon played okay, right? And we were saying, if Trevor Simeon plays okay this season, this is a good team. This, could, this is a team that could get to the playoffs. Then Trevor Simeon went in the tank and played like one of the worst quarterbacks in the entire league. But a and lot the whole of it, thing fell apart. A lot of it is just the home. And this is like the home away thing matters a lot. It matters a lot in the NFL. And we were sitting here last year after week two being like, man, we trashed the Broncos in the preseason. We trashed them. Do I need to start rethinking it? And we started to doubt ourselves. And then everything was fine. But a lot they of the logic was that Trevor Simeon sucks. And if Trevor Simeon doesn't suck, this team completely shifts dynamic because quarterback is that important. So if, if Case Keenum is just okay, they don't even need him to be anywhere near as good as he was last year. If, he was just, if he's just okay, it's the same story. This team can win games because they're not that bad. No, I get it. Uh, defensively, still some question marks in the secondary now with Denver. Chris Harris and Bradley Roby, the listed starters. No more Aqib Tlaib. That used to be their crazy strength. Now it that could creep back toward average yeah. just a little bit. Um, I think their secondary looks interesting. I'm particularly intrigued by this group of kind of big safeties, big safety matchup weapons they have. Will Parks, uh, Sua Cravens is still perennially banged up, so that may not pan out. But uh, Simmons as well. They've got some interesting guys there that can potentially match up. And there's a lot of teams now that are starting to play we're starting to get the personnel that's capable of playing these big nickel packages where the safety go, deals with the tight ends and running backs and all that kind of stuff. Week one's fun for football dorks looking at that schematic type stuff and how teams are actually going to play, especially when there are they don't have coordinator to, or head coach changes or anything like that. But when there's new coaches and stuff, seeing how they do things. Um, Sha- Shaquem Griffin, supposed to start at linebacker. Yeah. I know you're hot and cold on this whole thing. You started the bandwagon, but you're not too excited because, hey, he's still learning how to play linebacker. Yeah, look, the, I think the story has overtaken kind of the thing, right? Every It started off, and it's... I first, find this, I first saw this guy on his second-ever college game, right? I didn't see the one, ironically, that was in Dublin, uh, but I saw the one, the, next, the first game of the next season, which is the first game of that season. Said, They've got there's a one-armed kid playing edge rusher for UCF and like 20 minutes later it's like and he's actually really good like he's killing the left tackle he's playing so I kind of kept an eye on him from then on and he was a really good college pass rusher he became he was a very very good college player and my question with him is so I was he definitely had a place in the NFL but my question is given that he's the body type that he is which is basically a defensive back like he's the same size as his twin brother who's a corner like they're not different in terms of body shape it's just that he's packed on a bit of uh poundage um which is funny yeah yeah that it's, one could be a d- 
defensive line equivalent and one's a cornerback equivalent. Yeah, and they, so that's the thing. Them. They weren't really. But uh, Shaquem Griffin was a, an edge rusher was the thing that he was really good at. So my question was, what do you do with a 220-pound edge rusher? Because right. they don't really exist in the NFL. Um, and I wasn't nearly as comfortable at, with his skill set at other positions. So at linebacker, they started using him more and more in that role at UCF as his career went on. He just wasn't as good at it. Um, so the Seahawks have basically been playing him at off-the-ball linebacker. They haven't even been giving him that Bruce Irvin gig of split your time at off-the-ball linebacker and edge rusher. They've just been concentrate on that, get it done. Um, and he's been okay. Uh, I, I mean, I read you his grades the other day, and across the board in preseason, they were almost exactly average right. at everything. So I, it's really interesting. It's a great story. I'm, I'm really happy for the guy. I'm intrigued to see him play at this level. I still think there is there – I still have major reservations as to how good he's going to be at linebacker. And what's going to drive me insane is that every time he makes a tackle or runs a lot really hard and makes a, an effort play, everyone's going to go, see, he's great. And like, but even in the preseason videos, you know, every tackle that Jakeem Griffin made, some of those were bad plays. They were so mad at that. They, they weren't great plays just because they were a tackle. I, I'll give you an example. Oh, Sam, I know. Just let the story be a good story. Let it be a good story. Tight end comes off the line. He's in man coverage. He gets bodied by the tight end. Tight end Doyle. catches a ball, first down. He tackles him. That's a bad play. That's a line. That's a bad play for a linebacker. It is a negative, but he made a tackle, so it's great. Offensive push off. Yeah, I'm just saying. I love the story, but let's please try and dial it back and let's see if he's actually any good there. Well, something to keep an eye on. I'll watch yeah. how he plays, how he's deployed if they do try to mix it up and actually rush him. How he's used in blitz packages. Um, we don't love Denver as a team, but somehow we've all ch- taken Denver against mm-hmm. Seattle. Let's not doubt Russell Wilson too much this season, though. Let's go on to Dallas moving or uh, traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. I think I went Dallas in this one. I'm just... You I'm, did. I'm generally a Carolina hater. Yeah. I just don't think... You're not alone, though. I don't think they're generally as good as their record shows a lot. And maybe that's just credit to Ron Rivera. Maybe I'm underrating Cam Newton a little bit. And Look, Cam Newton brings a ton to the table with his legs. That is something tough to capture statistically, tough to capture in grades. I'll admit that. But I don't like where they're weak. I don't like that they're still trotting out. Julius Peppers, drafted in 2002, Julius Peppers, like that's the guy they're relying on as an edge rusher, him and Mario Addison. Yeah, I don't like that. That's a big question. Combined with the secondary. You know, with with good teams, it's like, all right, if you can cover on the back end and you at least keep the QB in the pocket and, you know, compress it a little bit, you're giving yourself a chance. Mm -hmm. You have James Bradbury, who's had an up and down two seasons so far. Dante Jackson on the outside. Like, who else is Captain Munnerlyn, Corn Elder? I mean, it's just a lot of names that haven't really proven themselves yet. Yeah, no, the second or the, the well, defense as a captain. whole is a relative um, concern, I think. They do have Luke, Luke Keekley, who obviously is one of the best players in the game. They have Kawan Short, that's big as well. But everything else is pretty ropey. Um, I think the offense, though, could be exciting. And I'm, fi- I'm really ex- intrigued to see can this North Turner Cam Newton combination and plan C, D, or E of the how to make Cam Newton good experiment work out. But you still have Taylor Moton just stepping in at left tackle for Matt Khalil. Banged up Darrell Williams, you know, just questions at the tackle positions, yep. seven-step drop game, all that stuff. And then Dallas, again, I think one of the most intriguing one of the most intriguing back seven. I dropped my phone Okay, into our new trash can. <laughs> That's handy. Which was nice. Let me grab the sword. phone. Let me grab my phone. Uh, Dallas, one of the most intriguing back sevens. Jalen Smith, who can move around now. Dallas, I want to see what their defense looks like. I want to see what the if they can create enough edge rush with Demarcus Lawrence over there. Randy and Gregory. Randy Gregory. I mean, there's, I'm intrigued by Dallas, the Zeke Elliott thing. And I think they, they're they another team, I think, like Washington. If they won 10 they could, or if they yeah. won four, yep. it wouldn't be that crazy. I think a lot of teams are like that in the NFC because the NFC is so tough. Yeah, like Some of them are going to drop out of contention. That's true. Uh, did you take Carolina? Yep. All right, cool. Uh, Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. We're out to Sunday night football, Sam. Just three more games to get through. This is one of the most fun games of the week. The new Chicago offense, the new Chicago defense, now with Khalil Mack, mm. with Roquan Smith. We'll see what type of time he sees on the field. And going up against Aaron Rodgers. Okay, so everybody took Green Bay here. So this is this rings a little bit hollow. But the line is seven and a half points. And it hasn't moved since the Bears signed Khalil Mack. How is that possible? Yeah, I think he would move it a little bit. Right? You would think he'd move it a little bit. Because you're going from 
as we mentioned on the NFC pod, a, a complete position of weakness for this team that could have completely held them back. There will be no edge, all of a sudden you're going from there will be no edge pressure in this game because the Packers offensive tackles are good to there should be edge pressure coming relatively significantly from the right side of that offensive line, assuming that's where the Bears deploy Khalil Mack. And if they don't, they're nuts because I wouldn't put him up against the best pass blocker in the league. Why would you? So you've gone from there should be no problem there at all to there should be a pretty relative problem that you need to address. This could be a really good matchup. Packers offense against that Bears defense. The Bears replenished or brought all their guys back in the secondary add Roquan add Khalil as we mentioned but now Aaron Rodgers I think they're, they're they've said that they're going to change the offense a little bit we've been on here so many times the last couple of years saying how stale it is and how Rodgers doesn't trust the offense trust the receivers and he's thrown to Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and all they've, they've got eight receivers on the team seven receivers on the team now and uh, mixing and matching those guys with Rodgers plus with Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis in those two tight end sets some big targets for him Rogers back healthy. This could be a monster year for him, bouncing back. Yeah, I'm, I mean, Rogers, Rogers will turn any team immediately into a playoff and potentially Super Bowl contender. So I'm just this Chicago team has been moving in the right direction. They've made a lot of really exciting moves. It's probably going to take a little bit of time for all those things to gel at once. Um, and then the big question mark is obviously still what is Mitchell Trubisky like? Is he really a franchise quarterback? Where is he going to land on that spectrum? But I, I mean, I'm kind of, I might head to my bookie and make another bet because that seven and a half point line seems crazy to you me. Like, you like the Bears there. Particularly as it hasn't moved. Like, that's the bit that gets me. Right. So, from a Trubisky standpoint, new offense, new scheme, new ways to get the ball to playmakers. Keep an eye on how he handles the blitz. If there's one thing, we, Zach Robinson called it out coming out of college. He wasn't great at handling the blitz. There was games last year, like against Cleveland. Looks just a little slow to process. Doesn't know where he's going. I want to see how he handles the blitz, especially if Green Bay decides to attack him under Mike Pettin. That's the other thing. New defensive coordinator there, Muhammad Wilkerson, all those new corners, the young guys. I want to see how that shapes up in Green Bay. But we're all taking the Packers because I think you just trust Aaron Rodgers. It's generally the way to go, right? Yeah. Trust Aaron I mean, Rodgers. When in doubt, pick the better quarterback. All right, we got the double shot Monday Night Football. So if things don't go well on Sunday, Sam, you can get to back to my bookie and check out Monday Night. Too this much. is our chance to redeem ourselves, Steve, because... We have universally, probably for the first time ever, picked the Detroit Lions to win a game. All of us. Everybody at PFF, notorious Lions haters. We love the, we love the Lions. Have picked the Lions. We love the Lions. Um, if you guys did listen to the NFC preview, I'd like to apologize. I'm pretty sure we're out here talking about what's their best case scenario and, you know, Anthony Zettel's going to break out opposite Ziggy Ansah, and they released him. Yeah. Released Zettel, picked up Romeo Aquara from the New York Giants. I've got some questions about their pass rush <laughs> in general. But hey, this is Lions positive here. We just think they're better than the Jets, essentially, on Monday night. That's where we are. Yeah. Sam Darnold's first start. Don't, know really, don't really know what you're going to get from them. Want to see what this, giant, this Lions defense looks like now. Matt Patricia taking over, slightly different scheme. Still got Darius Slay on that back end. Devin Lawson's pretty solid. Jalen Tabor. Let's see what happens at that position. But Lions are better team. Stafford over Darnold, essentially. Yeah, and even if it's even beyond the quarterback thing, I don't think that Jets roster is in great shape. I think they've made some improvements. And, you know, Darnold is the thing that will turn them around if they found a legitimate quarterback going forward. Obviously, that's huge. But until then, you've got a reasonable quarterback on the other side, and the roster's in way better shape. Yeah, still have big pass rush questions again for the Jets when Todd Bowles has been good there it's because their max blitzes work and he just he schemes it up pretty well to kind of get the most out of the talent I think on the defensive side of the ball I feel like he's got to do that again this year there's question marks on the back end question marks in the front seven rushing the passer yep what's our final game of the week Steve it is uh LA versus Oakland oh LA Rams at the Oakland Raiders. Rams who tried to trade for Khalil Mack to break the NFL. Man, that would have been great. That would have been fun. I mean, like David Stern would have run out there and vetoed it, right? You can't. You couldn't allow that. I still think the Raiders are going to be better than you think. No. And so this will be a pretty good game. And my big question, I, want, I can't wait to see this new, new Rams defense. Mm-hmm. Wade Phillips running, you know, with Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters back there. But again, this whole dynamic of... Loaded on the interior with Ndamukong Sue and Aaron Donald, and massive question marks at edge rusher. 
Even your friend Pete Prisco saying, the Rams can't rush the passer off the edge. What are they going to do? I mean, rush it from the middle. Oh, That's what they're going to do. I think it matters a little bit. Why? Because I think you need to win. Because winning off the edge is more valuable than rushing off the interior. But it's more valuable because you typically generate a higher number of forced fumbles and sacks. Yeah, I understand. Listen. But in terms of where the pressure comes from, it's actually not a bad thing to come right up the middle, particularly if you can get if you can flush the guy out so that your edge rushers don't actually need to win, they can just clean up the sacks. Yeah, you get, there's that. But listen, there was a game a couple years ago where I think it summed it up. Sue, there was a lot of games with the Dolphins where Sue was the only guy winning up front. Mm-hmm. Only guy winning. And it really didn't put a dent in the game. didn't matter. You yeah. just sidestep Sue and you I mean, make you a play. You can with one guy. Now there's two guys. But they're not winning every snap. I mean, I'm winning a lot of snaps. 15 to 20% of the time at best. Yeah. That's one combined. out of five pass rushes. I mean, if they do that... If they do that in separate downs, which they won't all the time, but if they do that separately, that's a lot of plays. I want to see how this whole dynamic it's almost half plays the time out. quarterback drops back. Those two on their own are getting pressure. I want to see how this whole dynamic plays out. Oakland's offense, I think, should be better this year. I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back year for Derek Carr and for Amari Cooper. Every other year, Amari Cooper is good. He's due to be good this year after being bad last year. You're buying into this whole Gruden game plan. I don't, I don't think they'll be bad offensively. I don't think they'll be bad. Okay. Derek Carr thrown to Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson? He's still good. Is he? Yes. Jared Cook. Jared Marshawn Cook. Lynch running the ball. Jared Cook was made to look good briefly by Aaron Rodgers. So here's, here's the thing, right? When, when people hated every move that the Raiders made this offseason, a lot of it was because they were old. Yeah. Right? They grabbed a bunch of old guys. And I can understand that, right? I don't think that bodes well for the future, but grabbing a bunch of old guys that are bad moves still should make them pretty good this year. Like they still be okay this year. Before those guys completely drop off and and completely regress, a lot of those guys will be okay. But like three years from now, having like right now having Marshawn Lynch, having Jordy Nelson, having give me somebody somebody else that's old on this team. What are the other old guys? Even just Jared Cook. Those guys aren't going to be here three years from now. I, I don't know if the future looks great for the Raiders, but for this year, I think they're all reasonable players that can help them win. So they're not as useless as you think. But a lot of the problem is that the players they brought in weren't just old. They were old and not good. I don't know. They'll be all right. And we've got to figure out what they do rushing the passer. we got Bruce Irvin rushing on one side. Mm-hmm. And who's on the other side? Arden Key. Tank Carradine. Tank Carradine. Like Frosty Rucker is on this roster. Oh, I love Frosty. What a great base defensive end from like 2006. That's yeah, Frosty Rucker. And a 3-4. Yes. Yeah, there's some questions. There's question marks in the back end for Oakland. We've got, we have at least one. Everywhere. We have at least one podcast listener that's mad at all, both of us, but mostly you because you just give them no chance. I at least give them a chance. I don't see any possible way that this roster shapes out to being a good team this season. Carl Joseph's one of my favorite players. In there the there are some good players. I'm not saying this roster is entirely bereft of talent. There are some very good players. Maurice Hurst. Particular guys like Maurice Hurst that we love. I'm just, I don't see any way this whole thing can shape its way out into being a quality team this year. Um, also good for Donald Penn, his move to right tackle and then Colton Miller stepping in at left tackle. They're going up against the Rams with no edge rush. Well, that'll help. So there you go. Yeah. Maybe they'll look good after week one. We'll be sitting here a week from now saying, hey, look, the Raiders' tackles looked good. However, it was against the Rams. Yeah. You got anything else for us here? You, so you're definitely you're going to pick against the Raiders every week, aren't you? Not every week, but certainly against the Rams. We're all taking the Rams, even though they're on the road. That's going to be the last game of the weekend. We're going to be sleep-deprived, just staying up late watching this one. It's going to be a pretty fun. short road trip as you know, Californian road trips go. Yeah, it's good. should be fun. That'll do it for us this week. That's our first preview, man. It's in the books. Again, if you guys want all the data that we've been using, it's all part of PFF Elite. Your premium stats are part of that and PFF Green Line. We've been so generous. We've taken our two best products now, Sam, and rolled them all into one with PFF Elite. Yeah, the value keeps getting better. Better and better and better. So go check out PFF Elite because that's what you're going to need. You're going to wake up Monday morning and say, I need my PFF grades. Where are they? Where's my PFF data? It's in the PFF Elite package, so be sure to sign up. And uh, we'll be back recording Monday with a little week one recap and hitting all the big stories. So until then, everybody enjoy week one of real football. The NFL season is upon us.
quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back, so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.